0: Hello and welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. We're back here again for our final position rundown, I think. Have I forgotten any positions, Alex or Nathan, the other people on this podcast? Have I forgotten positions?
1: I don't think so. I think we've gotten them all covered, and I think we'll be good after today. Wesley Horky, we got
2: to replace a long snapper. This I mean, that's true. pretty pivotal, but no, I think the... I think the, I think the most important ones are getting covered.
1: Yeah. Maybe we can throw in at the end because we haven't talked about return guys at all. Maybe we can throw that in at the end of this one mm-hmm. because that could be important, even though our return teams haven't been anything in a few years, but yeah. right. Shane Beamer might help a little bit. We'll maybe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So today we're doing uh the linebackers and defensive backs. So, where do, I don't know, where do we start? First do we have any news we have to talk about?
1: Is um, there any OU football news, Nathan, that you have? Like,
2: I don't... Starling I really think of anything. ...hearing his ACL would probably be the only thing that's really yeah. worthwhile. And, it, it, I mean, right. he, I don't think anyone expected him to play, but it's pretty disappointing, especially for someone who basically missed his entire senior season, and it's the yeah. same... To re- in his non-contact I think both times actually yeah it's right. just, you just kind of feel pretty pretty bad for the guy but hopefully uh he can come back next year after I mean I, w- I would assume he it'll be a full register he wouldn't even get in those four games because it'll right. probably take at least I don't know six months or however long to recover so but as far as guys that I expect to play this year I it's actually been surprisingly quiet so knock on wood um Hopefully that yeah. will.
1: Yeah, with with Starlin Baldwin, you know, it like you said, it's the second injury, and to me, it's a little concerning because just him as a player, like he's a guy that really kind of. That's what he, his quickness and his quick twitch is kind of what he's known for, mm-hmm. and so if he were to lose any of that because of injury, like I think you're looking at a much less effective player because he's he's just kind of a smaller guy, like he's not huge. Mm-hmm. Definitely relies on his quickness, so hopefully he can make a full recovery and, and be the player that he was pre both injuries. All right, um,
0: so Starlin Baldwin we've gotten that covered. <laughs> there was a scrimmage. There's some cool pictures.
1: There, yeah, you know, really the a couple things stuck out to me from the pictures. This is what we are. This is what we are left to do whenever there's no reports or video or of any kind from the scrimmages. Um, first thing that I noticed was Kennedy Brooks was wearing gloves, and it was really disappointing. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, not what I signed up for. And um, Kenneth Murray came out with a like a neck pad thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what they're called. And I, I they're called neck rolls. They're I mean, I, I, I never but played the thing football about it outside is that, of It's, flag, a, it's so. not a
0: his isn't rolled though, right? I don't know. It's weird, I don't know. Right?
1: It's like sticking out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He's got a thing on his back thing. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not for it. You know, that's my unpopular opinion here. It I is think unpopular. It, yeah, it's just, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just like too much of an old school look. And I, because at, like maybe here, allow me to make my case. Everything else about Kenneth Murray's look is, like, new school. He's got, like, a shooting sleeve, which is point stupid in football, but it looks cool. You know? <laughs> I don't wearing, know. He is wearing a shooting sleeve. That really hasn't... He's got been... a... He's got a it's shooting not, it's sleeve.
2: It's nice mix of old and new. Yeah.
1: You can yeah, say that. I, I just want him to go all new. That's my only thing with him, but... Yeah, I,
2: I like the Torrance Marshall, Rocky Calmas sort of bruiser in the middle sort of thing. I don't know. I kind of like it, but maybe that means I'm a little old school.
0: I... I I think it has the potential to be kind of intimidating, you know? A big old... I mean, Kenneth Murray is already a very intimidating Mike Linebacker. And now he's got, like, a Dracula collar. But for safety. (laughs) There we go. That is just... That is 100% a shooting sleeve
1: that he is wearing. Yeah. No, I I love it. I I love the look. Yeah. When football players wear shooting sleeves. I'd probably wear a shooting sleeve if I were a football player. But
0: do you think Tyler do you think that Tiger Woods should wear a shooting sleeve?
1: Oh man, I don't know <laughs> about that one.
2: Can
1: that you whenever
2: he does the fist pump if it was covered in a shooting sleeve?
1: Yeah. So, um... <laughs> my my only problem with it is cuz he would then have to like roll up his he would have to wear like Brooks kepka sleeve shirts like that just are not big <laughs> enough for his <laughs> arms and like have it kind of rolled up so they don't like it doesn't just look like he's wearing long sleeves under the shirt, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Don't go um, full Brooks kepka. Do not go full Brooks kepka. Um, all right, we need probably to get back on on topic, you sure. know. Yeah. Um <laughs> Linebackers. So, so yeah, we we're going to start with linebackers and why don't we just go ahead and start at the middle at the mic position, because you know, from everything that's been said, you know, the fact that he was at big 12 or not big, yeah, big 12 media days as kind of like the spokesperson for the defense. I think that it's pretty obvious that the coaches are thinking, uh, Kenneth Murray is going to be the star of the defense this year.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, what did what did Lincoln call him? It was like I think he said something like the heart of the defense. Or there's an actual term that he used that basically kind of insinuated that you know it's basically all going to start with him. It's all going to revolve
1: around him. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was something along those lines. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um,
0: that's exciting to me um, because Kenneth Murray was. Uh, really, really good last year in flashes. There were also some bad points, uh, mainly in the Rose Bowl. But, um, yeah. yeah, I
2: mean. I think his second year playing the same position is something that's been mentioned that he's never done ever. Yeah. So he was in safety and he was an outside linebacker in high school and then he was recruited as an outside linebacker and they moved him inside and then they to Will and they moved him to Mike and he's just been bounced all over the place and now he's going into his, you know, second season at Mike linebacker. Mm-hmm. And also something that they mentioned last year is they barely practiced him due to death concerns like the second half of the season yeah. week to week. Um so he didn't even get a lot of live reps during week practice last year at Mike. So I I mean there were a lot of like middle mistakes but there were also a lot of those flashes that you mentioned like in spurts he was really good and I don't think OU's had a middle linebacker with his just raw ability Mm -hmm. god I I don't since Curtis Lofton you think I mean just (laughs) talent wise so and that was 10 years ago so I mean I I think there's a huge potential um you just hope that he can start getting that consistency down because like you said he did not play well in the Rose Bowl and it it's, I mean, in the painful moments that I've rewatched it on TV with one eye open, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, you can really see it kind of glaring. But then again, most everyone played bad in the second half of the Rose Bowl, so I get. I can't get too critical.
1: Yeah. So allow me to throw out a take. Here it comes. Um, so, I obviously a huge Kenneth Murray fan. I echo everything that's been said about him so far. Um, do you think it's fair to say he is the most physically talented linebacker OU's had since Teddy Lehman?
0: Woo. That's
2: something. Uh um, it's bold I don't know. it's Curtis Lofton was you know, he was in the NFL for like a decade.
1: He, he was, like 100- but I would argue that it wasn't pure like physical ability like i feel like he just was a really good football player like yeah. he just had great instincts and he did things that way like he was always in the right place just from an athlete standpoint like i think kenneth murray basically played last year just and he's i think he said this at big 12 media days like he got by last year on pure athleticism he barely knew what he was doing
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait. hey good job michael um, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, there were flashes last year. Um, I just think the thing that always stuck out to me on Kenneth Murray is his closing speed on quarterbacks as they rolled into his lane. Like it was terrifying. Like legitimately terrifying how quickly he was moving. Like, and he's not small. So, no. yeah, the athleticism is there. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to make some relatives, uh, but.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, all right, let's move on from him because, after you know, I let me see if I can up, you know, one up that take. Um, behind him, we're looking at probably John Michael Terry is probably the most notable returnee from last year. Um, he's a guy that I think going into last season, if you had asked, any coach on OU staff, like they probably would have said, he is the guy who's going to start a middle linebacker for us. There was a lot of praise. I remember he got some pretty hefty praise coming out of his true freshman year. And they mentioned even considering blowing his red shirt that year because he was just looking so good at the time. Um, and then, you know, a month before the season last year, I think he broke his foot and so he just wound up missing a pretty significant chunk of the season and by that time Kenneth Murray had kind of just established himself as the guy and it's been kind of a tough road back for him to even find any playing time but i think he's a guy that you know can provide some pretty solid depth
2: um yeah overall. i think that's kind of the the name of the game with John Michael Terry is i think he's solid i don't know that he's like a guy that if he was to enter the game, you'd be – let me let me shift backwards. You remember probably when in the national championship run with Sam whenever uh, Austin Box got hurt against OSU and Mike Bulligan came in and the guy on Kirk Street was like, oh, welcome to the game, Mike Bulligan, because he had like this big hit. That's kind of yeah. how I think of John Michael Terry. He's like okay. Mike Bulligan – of this team, and maybe that's a little unflattering because Mike Bulligan wasn't, you know, that great of a player, but I just think of him as a solid backup guy Mm -hmm. who would probably start for a lot of, like, you know, lower power five teams, especially in, like, the Big Ten because he's a big kind of physical guy. Like, if you play for Illinois or something, he'd probably be a decent player. But I think the difference in talent level between him and Kenneth Murray is probably fairly stark, just in the fluidity and, you know, especially in the Big 12 when you're asked to cover and work in the flats and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Guys that are like him that maybe don't have the best sideline-to-sideline speed and agility, I think uh, could hurt him a little bit in just the movement aspects of the game. But if he was to come into the game, even whenever he played spot duty last year, I thought he looked okay. You know, and against the run, I think he'd probably be pretty solid, so... I
1: think, like you said, I think he's just a good, solid, depth sort of guy. Yeah, I think if it's, you know, during Mike Stoops' first stint at Oklahoma, you know, 15, 16 years ago, I think John Michael Terry is a perfectly acceptable starting middle linebacker in that era. You know, just the way that this conference yeah. specifically plays, it's kind of, it's probably pretty tough for him to be able to just handle all of the responsibilities. hmm <laughs> All right, so let's move on to a guy that is completely different than John Michael Terry. And we're going to move to a true freshman. Um, It's a guy who's really competing with John Michael Terry to be the backup middle linebacker this year. And that's Deshaun White. And I am really excited about this preview because it allows us to do, I think, one of our favorite things. And that is complain about Tim Kish. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, Timmy. Timmy, Timmy. So, Nathan, do you? would you like to tell the story of Deshaun White's recruitment, please? Um, yeah, sure. How long
2: do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's try and boil it down in just two, a few sentences. So, Deshaun White grew up an OU fan. He attended the junior day and did not get offered. Um, then he was finally offered by OU... What do you what did you say like Junish of last year? Yeah, Enough I think time it was for him to yeah. yeah. It was right around the barbecue. To, yeah, to really, you know, not sour on you, but allow Texas A and M to make up a lot of ground, and uh, so and then, so he was offered by OU. He he was really had a great relationship with Kevin Sumlin at A and M, and because of that relationship, he ended up picking A and M the first go around. And then throughout the fall, Kish did Kish things, and it was just kind of this back-and-forth, kind of this soap opera sort of thing. And then with Kevin Sumlin being let go and also Deshaun White saying that in his heart he wanted to be at OU, blah, 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 he ended up flipping to OU. But it was just this real convoluted, frustrating at times sort of recruitment. And it probably could have been... You know, Nickster, it never even happened. If uh, Kish, you know, acts promptly and actually offers him, you know, at the original junior day and doesn't let Texas A and M kind of nip it, nip away or chip away at the lead Mm -hmm. um, that OU would have just naturally
1: have had.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I have I have two complaints. You know, in addition to what you you've said, um. So, just in terms of the way linebacker recruiting went last year, like you said, we offered him probably three months later than pretty much everyone else did, which would tell someone, right, that we weren't quite as sold on him as other teams, maybe, you know, or at least I think that was what was being conveyed to him at the time. Mm -hmm. And then if you skip ahead to December and January, Deshaun White then just becomes like our number one target like on the team like it was like we aren't gonna take other linebackers that we could get because we want Deshaun White so bad yeah which is a big
2: gamble because there is no guarantee until like December mid-December where it's pretty clear that he was going to flip like it was a real question sort of thing and Yes. A lot of people thought if someone didn't get fired that he probably wasn't going to flip. So Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's where my other complaint, just I don't think we get him. Like, I just straight up right. don't think he even considers OU if someone doesn't get fired. You know, maybe he takes a visit and we can turn it there, but I, I don't think that happens. Um, but, yeah. so, yeah, two, I think it was just a huge, we bungled it. I mean, Kish messed it up completely. hmm <laughs> he was able to kind of let it get it, it his way because of something completely out of his control. Um, right. So good that we were able to take and advantage he, of that, but man, come on now.
2: Yeah, and it's just the same song, you know, a different dance. It, it's, it's this way every year, and it's yep. it's just tiring.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, honestly, this year is shaping up in a way that could be extremely similar to me. But we don't need to go into any specifics. But I think we could be having the same conversation this time next year. In all honesty, yeah. so
0: it's almost like we had this conversation last year, and yeah,
1: crazy yeah. the, year the year before 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 that. crazy, crazy. <sighs> but at least with
2: Deshaun White, the player, I think we're all probably pretty big fans. So I know I was, you know, on this bandwagon, but I think probably before Kish was, yeah. uh, <laughs> He he's I think he's just a great fit for the Big Twelve. I I always thought he was more of a will, but I don't know how much of a distinction they're making between a Will and a Mike um in this defense because it's kind of a, it's a multiple defense, right? We don't yeah. everything's nebulous and no one has a set position. <laughs>
1: so Yeah, positionless yeah. defense.
2: Yeah. Right. So at least what I can from what I can tell is he works really, really well in space. He actually hits people and he's uh really from you know the brief reports that are out there is he's learning really quickly and that's something that is good to see especially from someone who entered the who wasn't an early enrollee you know he entered in June is if you if you're going to get on the field you have to get you know you had to be able to learn quickly so if he's actually making a run at that backup uh spot that bodes well for the future i think
1: yeah yeah i i tend to agree because if the one thing that just stood out on his high school film was just his ability to just, he just knocked the crap out of people, you know, and he's not the biggest guy. He's only six foot two twenty one right now, you know, doesn't have a huge frame to get a lot bigger, but I just like, he's got an attitude that if you think about a guy like Dominique Alexander, who was very similarly sized, just didn't have that attitude, you know, did not come with that mentality. So, I mean, that in itself is exciting. And, You know, he's, I think, from an athletic standpoint, he doesn't have the size of a Kenneth Murray, but I think he has that ability to move.
2: Yeah, I remember he was doing, like, DB drills and stuff in high school. You know, he's, like you said, he's kind of that Dom Alexander size, and Dom Alexander had a bunch of tackles at OU, but a lot of times he was getting dragged along with the ball carrier. You know, he he wasn't a knockback tackler. I think Deshaun White has a little bit more um, pop whenever he hits people, so... That'll be. I think he, if he plays this year, I think it'll be in mop-up duty or, you know, a lot of special teams. I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised at all if he's, you know, a pretty major part of kickoff coverage and things like that. Mm-hmm. Him and Curtis Bolton being, you know, those two guys. But um, I would definitely see look to see him in blowouts or anything like that as someone who starts getting a lot of snaps that way. Yeah, for
1: sure. For sure. Um, so that pretty much does it for the Mike position. Um, let's move over to like the other inside position, especially when we're in a three-man front. But um, so we're gonna go over to the Will position, weak side linebacker. And this one, um, this is a Oklahoma drill favorite. Um, Caleb Kelly mm-hmm. is your projected starter. Yeah,
0: Um, moving from the Sam to the Will.
1: Yes, moving from Sam to Will. um, I think it's a a position change that's going to really benefit the defense. You know, um, putting him, pairing him and Kenneth Murray, I kind of think of them as just like a pairing. Whenever I think of one, I'm thinking about the other as well. And just the idea of two guys with that size and that athleticism paired together is something that really excites me.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's like uh the Bass brothers from Mighty Ducks, Dean Portman and Fulton Reed, that's what they yes.
1: you <laughs> could think of that.
0: Yeah. Um can we talk about the possibility that Caleb Kelly is now enormous?
1: We should talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So there was a picture, all right? Again, we do a okay. lot of yeah. examinations of pictures on this show because that's really all we get. That's all we get. It's miserable. Yeah,
2: he looked huge in that picture, but I do wonder how much of it was, like, him pressing his biceps, like, against his chest, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or was that just him naturally? Because if that was, like, un, you know, just him taking a picture, like, not even trying, that's ridiculous, because he's, right. he, you don't see many guys like that just, period, and, I mean, yeah, you, well, you don't see many guys like that at OU at linebacker, like, at all <laughs> yeah. in the last decade, so, yeah. It, I don't know, it makes you kind of do a double take. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me was just how wide he looked. Like, he looked like a guy, because he's always, I felt like he was kind of, not necessarily a safety, but his his body was like, he could, you could see a big safety there, but he just looked like an inside linebacker in this picture, you know? Yeah.
2: You know what it reminded me of was back on DVDs whenever you had like the option between like standard screen and widescreen and everything stretched like, yeah. out. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah. Well,
0: it's like uh, the thing about Caleb Kelly that we talked about back when he was like the only five star on the dang team um, was uh, the um, like the difference of his like frame that was implied mm-hmm. in that star rating and how right. he was like heavy looking like without being heavy looking like
1: right he his
0: mm. he could carry mass in a way that wasn't as apparent as on other right. people who were having to play you know slightly above a natural weight
1: um and,
2: you know now, Mike's kind of brought that up a little bit, like just the length is something that well he he's brought up like that Kelly brings you know good length in the inside. I don't think that's something that we've really seen that much. I mean Jordan Evans was probably six three, but you know you just don't see that many guys that can at OU recently in the inside that can tip balls and stuff because Emmanuel Beal wasn't doing that, you know. So Kelly might be able to alter some passing lanes and do some stuff that maybe we haven't seen that much. You you always kind of think of last year against OSU, you know, there was a huge ball that he tipped on their Mm -hmm. final drive to try and uh, tie the game or. Whatever that uh you know the guy was I'm pretty sure wide open and it was a huge yeah. play that people probably forget uh, and maybe we'll see that know. a little bit more.
0: Um yeah no um and it, it's it's really impossible to stress that this is Caleb Kelly um who we are now describing as looking large, uh, taking over a position that was previously filled by Emmanuel Beal, who right. was, probably should have been playing safety the entire time.
1: Like. No, yeah, he was legitimately a safety because he actually wound up having the speed for it, as we saw it his pro day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think we're all just, I mean, the reports for him, like, you know, he's learning a new position. You know, he's probably, it's probably not going just, like, flawlessly for him right now. But I think yeah, once the season starts, give him four or five games. I think the dude's going to be making plays everywhere.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, there will there will be a you know a little bit of a maturation process, but it's something they've talked about is the, in this scheme the Sam and the Will kind of mirror each other, and so yeah. he's already it's just kind of a question of angles, you know, just kind of acclimating to it's the same you know positioning at least you know like I said like a mirroring sort of thing. It's just that I'm arriving there in a different way, mm-hmm. so it probably just takes some time to get used to that. But like you said by Texas, I would think that we're starting to really see him kind of take on because at the will, I mean, you're, you're, you're uh, meeting blockers, you know, much more than you are at the Sam and you're forced to be that inside guy, but it's not as much as the mic. And you know, a lot of the plays you you can make can be you know, tracking down ball carriers and still using your speed. I mean, that's what Beal lived off of because he wasn't shucking blockers at all. So um, I think that's yeah. something that we could see because Kelly's, you know, he, that was one of the his hallmarks was at that outside. He he wasn't ever amazing at setting the edge, but he could get guys, you know, tracking them down from the backside. You know, so I, I could see that as kind of being something that he carries over to the will, and we just have to make sure, or you just have to hope that he's able to uh, withstand in the run game. And from that picture, it seems like he'll at least have a shot.
0: Yeah, I am um, really excited about. Caleb kelly and kenneth murray as just a pair of playmakers in the middle especially considering that we'll have another really serious playmaker sort of roaming the
1: field uh, that we'll talk about in a bit yeah no absolutely um so after Caleb kelly we're it's kind of been billed as a position group battle like curtis bolton is has been in the conversation you know they Mike Stoops at the OU Media Day said that there's a legitimate battle going on at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone thinks Curtis Bolton's going to win that job. I think the coaching staff really likes Curtis Bolton, and they wanted to give him an opportunity to win the position. You know, he's coming off of an injury. He's a redshirt senior. He's been around for a long time. Yeah, And he's kind of stuck around, even though he hasn't right. always gotten a lot of playing time. Um, so, I'm I'm okay with that. Like, if he does win the job, then I'm going to be upset, um, because I have just for months now just been obsessed with the idea of Kelly and Murray at, at the two inside positions. But you know, because with Bolton, you kind of you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who's limited physically because you know he's six foot, two hundred eighteen pounds, like. He's a little bigger than Emmanuel Beal was, but he also just doesn't have the speed that Emmanuel Beal had. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. To me, Bolton's just a career backup guy that is going to do some nice things maybe on third down as like a rusher or, you know, mostly a special teams player.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah he's, the, he's the consummate kind of program guy. Um, yeah. I think he's a good glue guy in the locker room probably, and I think that's why the coaches like him. I think it's interesting that you brought up him on third down. I think that's probably, he might have like a little niche package. He's like mm-hmm. a specialist kind of rush guy. And I always, what I always think of is him in that role is last year against Ohio State, he had JT <laughs> Barrett dead to rights, and he stumbled. And I, every time I see that replay, I don't know how he fell. It boggles my mind. I, I can't figure <laughs> out how he lost his footing. It's just like this amazing sort of... Out of nowhere, falling. That I, I if he did it a hundred times, I don't know if he could do it again. Because every time I watch him, I'm just like, how did you fall in this situation? But so I, I, <laughs> I think the crux of it is, I think he's a good glue guy. He'll probably be a special teams, you know, playmaker for us. But I wouldn't expect him to. I certainly wouldn't expect him to overtake Caleb Kelly. Even though Caleb Kelly is switching position.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I. It's really funny how me and Nathan both seem like I, I've see, remembered every play you've talked about. Like I've been thinking, oh, I'm gonna bring that play up, and then you do it before I can. Uh, because pretty yeah, fine, that play, yeah, 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 that play <laughs> boggled my mind at the time, and that's really what I have in my head when I think Curtis Bolton is. I just don't see a guy who's a difference maker. You know, I see it's, yeah it's, one of the few times he had a chance to make a play in his career. And he just mm-hmm. inexplicably falls like that. Just like, yeah. <laughs> that's not the guy I want starting for this. Defense.
2: It's kind of the DJ award trying to all oh, should have sacked Jake from, but got just, you know, juked uh, out his uh, it's one of those things. Like, how, uh, I don't know how you did it, but somehow you whiffed on the biggest chance of your career. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. I yeah, sorry to bring that up, but that made me think of it. See, that play is a little different for me because I didn't have a great angle for it. Like, because I was sitting pretty low in the stadium, um, and I've I've only watched the game once, and I try to block that portion of the game out of my mind. So, there well, you you, you got me good. on that one. You got me on that
2: Glad one. Glad to be the downer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All
1: right. So let's move on from Curtis Bolton. There's a couple guys left because guys, we have ourselves some real linebacker depth. It's kind of crazy. Because um, last year it would have been like, well, we have these two guys. And then that's all we got. You know, we're going into walk ons after that. But um so we've got Levi Draper, um, who's coming off of an injury. And do you remember exactly what that injury was that a labrum that he tore last year?
0: Yeah, it was a labrum. Okay. Which uh also I guess Caleb Kelly was kind of playing with a partially torn labrum last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's right. That was some some good um Oklahoma drill reporting right there, so what that was um but yeah, no, I think you know i me and Nathan have talked about Levi Draper before um he's he's pretty I, I like him quite a bit, like he's not from a physical standpoint, he's not Kenneth Murray, he's not Caleb Kelly, but he's a guy that when you watch um on film, especially in high school, like he just knew how to play like he was making plays everywhere. Um, and he's, you know, he's just a good football player. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Do I we have, have, I uh, have anything to he's add?
2: He's a coach on the field. He's, uh,
1: God. This is this is, <laughs> saying, kind of yeah. this is our way of saying Levi kind of guy. This is our way of saying Levi Draper's white. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That could little, that could yeah. also
1: probably be wait
2: he's white? I didn't I
1: didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It could also be you know, his name is Levi. You know, <laughs> Levi. So,
0: he's from Collinsville, um, Oklahoma. Hair.
1: He's got great hair, Collinsville, Oklahoma. Oh man, he
0: looks like Eddie Redmayne. I'm gonna make that a thing. Levi Draper looks like Eddie Redmayne.
1: I'm uh, gonna act like I know who that is, so um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, uh...
1: Let's, cl- let's close out the will. Yeah. Because there's one more guy, Brian Asamoah. Mm-hmm. Um True freshman from Ohio. And the thing with Brian Asamoah is that he's just really fast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly um, what I was going to say. He's, he's also pretty, uh... He's got a... I don't think he's large, but, like, he's pretty... Defined if that's if there's a non weird way of saying that. You're um, just saying
1: the dude's jacked a little bit.
2: Yeah, but he's not I don't I don't want to he's not like obo jacked, you know what I mean? Nah. He's, like, he's like freshman he's just, jacked. Right. There you go. That's a good way of saying it.
1: Like when he's when he's a fifth year senior like Obo, he's probably gonna be a pretty impressive looking dude. Um just based off of what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Listed yeah. at six one two nineteen, I think six one's probably a little generous. Um I just he always looked kind of short to me in his in his highlights and stuff, um, but he's I mean another guy I think that will hit people though. He will, yeah. I mean, and this guy just him and Deshaun White both like what you can just say is like they're Big Twelve fits, like they fit great yeah. in the Big Twelve. They're going to be able to make plays in space. They have a mentality of they're going to go knock the crap out of somebody. Like yeah, he's they're, they're the kind of guys that you can win with. Um, I think Asimov's probably got a little bit lower ceiling than. Deshaun White, because I, I just don't think his frame's quite as big. Um, but I I like both the guys pretty well. Um, you know, good for Tim Kish actually getting some some decent linebackers, even though he went about it in an extremely weird way. Um,
2: yeah, I, mean, I guess we guess we can make fun of him all he wants, but he's got actual death at inside now, and he's got some good players. So, I mean, yeah. who's laughing now, I guess? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the thing it doesn't is... Doesn't mean I'll I lot like you, Timmy. No, Right. Well, I mean, and the thing is, the two guys that we were most complimentary of, he played very little role in recruiting them. Sure, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Kenneth Murray and Caleb Kelly were both outside guys when they got to OU, so. Mm-hmm. That's know. very true.
2: And so thank you, Mike, I guess. Thanks. Thanks. I also have my issues with him. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is it weird that who was the last legitimately good kid that Tim Kish got for us?
1: I mean, I think it's got to be Deshaun White. I mean, that's really, like, you know, Levi Draper is one, but he screwed that recruitment up, too. Yeah. If Levi Draper was wasn't... like his
2: primary, also.
1: Mike was? Oh, because he does in-state stuff. That's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, man, I Tim... I honestly don't
2: know if Tim's ever had a good get, like, just solely him outside of Deshaun White. And I, I don't mean that as, like, a disrespectful sort of thing. I just, like, I can't think of one. Um... Damn it, Tim. Even, like, even the one, like, he, he had, like, Arthur McGinnis, but he hasn't done anything, and he plays defensive line now. You know, I mean.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, George Tim Kevin, uh,
0: I, I kind of that peeled is back Jordan? the lid there, did I? Didn't I? Jeez. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, let's, let's, let's move away from Tim's positions. There's there's two other linebacker positions and Then we got a secondary to get to. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move over to the Sam position. We've kind of talked about it a little bit already in the podcast. And to me, this is one of the more interesting positions on the defense because not just about who's playing it, but I think there's a pretty – Distinct possibility that this position isn't played a ton this season. Yeah, you know, it might be like a 15 percent of the time formation uh, because it seems like we're going to be in the nickel a whole lot. Because hey, we're in the Big Twelve, we should play nickel. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy that really stands out at this position is someone that is has pretty has made a move since the spring, and that's Ryan Jones. Yeah, um, what a move he made. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that when he got to OU, he was he was a guy. I honestly thought he was going to be a receiver. Like I loved his high school film as a wide receiver. He came to OU as a safety, and then he just got too big, and so now yeah. he's <laughs> you know he's six two, two hundred and thirty six pounds. Like he can't play safety. He's on the Keenan Clayton land. Yeah, really, and um, he's a guy that's moved out to the SAM position, and he looks good in a football uniform. I'll give him that. You know, he looked really good in the spring game. Um, yeah. And there's definitely just some stuff athletically that he can do that not not very many guys can do. There might be stuff that he can do athletically that not even Caleb Kelly could do. Yeah. He's, I don't know how much to add
2: because there's not – I mean, we haven't really seen him outside of the spring game, but you've heard a lot of like, you know, like rumblings, you know what I mean? But <laughs> it's like – this guy's a really good athlete. We just kind of have to see how he progresses. But, you know, as a Sam, especially whenever I think of, like, the Sam and the old Brent Venables defense, he's, like, the ideal, you know. And I, right. I mentioned Keenan Clayton. That's what Keenan Clayton was. He was a safety turn linebacker that was able to play out in space and play, work with receivers and, you know, play zone and all this stuff. And I think Ryan Jones – I don't know how great he's going to be against the run, but I think if he's asked to, you know, you know, play against the pass and do stuff like that, I think he has, I mean, there's, he has all the athleticism in the world and, um, eventually it'd be interesting if we see him going and working kind of how they had striker and bond, you know, with two guys, mm-hmm. right. If they do any of that or if they have, You know, we might talk about this in a minute, but if they have Mark Jackson and Addison Gums on either side, it'll be really interesting to kind of see how they go with that and kind of the niche that he carves out for himself um, this season. Because I'm not really sure what it's going to look like, but I'm really interested to see what it turns into. Just because I don't know how many guys we've had with his, you know, ceiling right over the years. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm a bit concerned. Like, obviously, I think the ceiling's there, and I if we're going to use him the way you are describing, I think he's going to be great at it. I really do. Mm -hmm. I do think he could struggle with some of the same things that Caleb Kelly struggled with at that position. Um, Because, I don't know, like just, he's not like a guy that's going to set your edge. He's not, he's he's not a guy that's really ever done a lot of pass rushing, you know, and then if you've got a guy that's going to be on the end of your line a lot, you're, you're going to want that guy to be able to pass rush, you know, and he can probably do some stuff with his athleticism, but he's not a guy like Oboe who's been pass rushing forever. You know what I mean? So in that sense, I'm a little concerned. I'm mostly, it's mostly a Mike Stoops thing. Like, how are we going to yeah. use this extremely talented football player? Like, I'm not sure. are you going to sure. put him in
2: positions to succeed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's been one of the biggest criticisms over the years is it doesn't always happen. And you, like you said, you had this really talented guy, but I don't know quite where he fits and, so just how does how do you maximize his fifteen snaps a game if that's all he gets?
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, and he's the guy that I think I would not be surprised at all if in a couple years after Caleb Kelly's gone, he's the one moving to Will because I think his skill set might fit that position really well. Um, so let's keep going on the Sanders. You know, a couple other guys, really one main guy. is a true freshman, Nick Benito. And pretty much all of the concerns I had for Ryan Jones are not there for Nick Benito. for me. I don't know about how you guys feel about Nick Benito at this position, because he's, they're pretty different.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's more Bond to me at that position. Yeah. He's yeah, more the guy that's actually rushed the passer in the past. He's from a really powerhouse program, St. Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. down in Florida. Um, yeah. he's, he's got a pretty good size He was he's highly recruited He I think his other finalists at least one of the other finalists was Texas and so you like to see that kind of head to head win um, and you know he's, I don't know how much to expect him to play this year because he's a summer enrollee but I yeah. think he's got a lot of talent I, I remember liking his film a lot just because he seemed like a really good pass rusher it'll be really interesting again it's one of those things how do they want to handle is Mike willing to have multiple rushers, you know, from opposing sides? You know, I know he did it in 2015, but we haven't really seen it the last two years. So it'll right. be really curious to see just kind of how much he plays. And if they, if he does, if it's on third downs, you know, or you know, if he has this little pass rush role that he uses or, you know, just what does it look like with him on the field? And is it only in blowouts or does he actually, you know, get meaningful snaps?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and, and like he's the guy that he's he's got some pretty big versatility because I think he's a guy that could switch over and play some jack for us if you know just to utilize that pass rushing we talked about and just you know from a physical standpoint he's what you're looking for at these positions because he's got the length and he's got bursts to be able to pa- to rush the passer I'm like, he might be the only guy on the team that actually has that other than maybe Jalen Redman, who we obviously aren't going to see this year. Yeah. Um, all right, so that, that'll that probably do it As Sam. There's, I mean, there's a couple other guys that maybe could factor in, but they're probably mostly going to factor in at the Jack. So let's move over to that side. Um, and I think at this point, I would say that the guy who is favored to start there is Addison Gums? Would you agree with that, Nathan?
2: Okay. Well, I think this is our first true position battle,
1: uh, right?
2: That we've talked about. I mean, we kind you we floated out there that Caleb Kelly's battling with Curtis Bolton, but I think I think we all know where that's going to end up. This one's a little bit more in doubt. <laughs> you know, you have it's the case of the the veteran
0: upperclassman yeah. hold, guy hold that's on. been around real,
1: a couple real quick, years. Real quick. Sorry, real quick. Did we talk about this position? We with the absolutely
0: D-line? did. Yeah, I was. Oh. I wasn't gonna say. I wasn't gonna interrupt Nathan because he wasn't here for that. Um,
1: right. And I, he, I, just and remember because oh well, we away. we
0: absolutely did. <laughs> I um I had actually made yeah. a mental note uh, that I was going to interrupt us when we got to the Jack position and say something about the fact that we already talked about it. Sure. Uh, okay. But I was on Twitter. My well, bad. My, so God, my bad. So Buki is going to start at Nickelback. Yeah. So Buki is going to start at Nickel. Um, and, and I'm
2: very. Yeah. I think everyone's excited to see what he does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it'll probably be a lot if the spring game is anything to go by. He's basic, He can basically teleport.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what I've seen. Instant
2: transmission. He's from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Exactly. I
1: mm-hmm. think what we've seen from and heard about him so far is basically he is the honey badger, but way way better. <laughs> um, I think that's Basically. what we can yeah, that's I think that's at. what you should be looking for come this season. You know, from the okay. from game game 1.
2: Do you see it in his Twitter bio, I think he I don't think it's there anymore, but a few months ago he had Red River Badger in his Twitter bio.
1: Did he really know,
2: Yeah, he really yeah. had that. So, I don't know if I love the nickname, but I love the idea. Yeah. So, need right. little tweaks, but I think you I think he's going down a good path.
0: Yeah. I think it should just if you want to know if Buki is good, just he's he's gonna wear the number forty four for his entire career and play basically every snap he possibly can for his entire time at this university. Um, and that's Does he has the most exciting.
2: distinctive look on the team. Is, oh, that, already yeah.
1: a, is that already the case. I
2: mean, yeah, he has got,
1: to, right? He's got the hair. He's got yeah. He's he's got the look, man. Mm-hmm. He's and he's just gonna bring a. I think the thing with Buki is that over the past three years we've had Baker Mayfield who kind of brought like a weird like coolness factor yeah. to our entire team. But we haven't had a guy like that on defense since I maybe like I guess maybe Eric Stryker was that guy. Mm-hmm. Um right. and I think we've missed that quite a bit. And I think he's gonna bring that. Like there's there's just like they, everything you, you hear you have about to him have
2: a certain Mentality, a certain kind of without a certain level of swagger, if you will, yeah. I, and I think there's just been this kind of case of a missing identity on the defense, and that can go back to you know not having a, a true system or anything, but even from a, like a psychological standpoint, I don't know if the defense know knew who they were, and I think having some guys like Buki, and I know it's a little maybe disingenuous to just float out there that he's already setting this as a true freshman who's never played a snap, but I honestly think it kind of, he is. So, I yeah. mean, the, yeah. they've already, all the players are already talking about it, kind of feeding off it, and it's it's kind of, I can't think of any other player, I don't remember it ever happening from what I've seen from someone who's never, you know, played a live snap to have yeah. this much kind of uh, aura, if you will, about him.
1: It, yeah, um, no, I yeah, go ahead.
0: So it does, and this is the dumbest thing I could reference, um, but it does remind me a little bit about uh of Brian Bosworth. Um how like there's a story um that comes from that thirty for thirty that Alex hates. Uh, <laughs> of um Barry um, going to Boz after his freshman season and being like, listen, you're going to be the leader of this team. And just like, that's that's what I expect yeah. from you. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I feel about Buki.
2: I would yeah. not be shocked at all to see Buki at like Big 12 Media Days next summer. Yeah. I really wouldn't. Um, no. honestly, I think he's already kind of got that cachet, you know.
1: I'm honestly going to, I think I'd be surprised if he weren't there. Yeah. Yeah like yeah no he's he i've never seen anyone like this you know really the only other guy that i can think of that had this kind of hype before he played a snap was adrian peterson right Uh, because yeah that that hype was crazy but i've never seen this on defense
2: and and adrian peterson you know he's number one recruit in the country and Buki was a five-star on rivals as well that's not don't get me wrong but adrian peterson's like the prototype you know he was like six one two twenty ran a four three he like checked every box possible yeah Buki's like this diminutive kind of guy who just makes plays because he's like apparently just like he has such a great understanding of the game and he's got the instincts and like the mentality like he from a stature and from you know just the measurables he doesn't actually check every box but it's like everything else about him that just kinda of supersedes that mm-hmm. and it's just the strangest thing, but I mean I'm here for it, so let's let us i am really intrigued by it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. God, it is weird to think that I am roughly Buki sized.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is weird. Um <laughs> So I don't I I think we could probably move on from Buki. Any last thoughts on Buki before we move on? Um
0: Obviously, we're fans.
1: Yeah. Um, he's joining the club with, with Caleb Kelly. Like, yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. he's an Oklahoma drill favorite. And I think he's going to be just an Oklahoma fan favorite, yeah. you know, from uh, day I one. I think, think it's already it's, happening. It's, it's there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I don't really know. Like, back of nickel is it's one of the harder positions to project because there's just – they're probably trying, like, every guy there. So, yeah. I think we can just kind of – Move yeah,
2: there's past no clear-cut, obvious yeah, sort of guy. It,
0: it's impossible mm. to say. It could be because it could be anybody. It could be a cornerback. It could be a uh, strong safety. It could be any of them. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: yeah, I think long-term it could be Pat Fields, but mm-hmm. I'm not ready to say that yeah. he has that role yet because he's a true freshman, and I haven't really seen his name floated out there by anyone outside of "Oh, he's working hard." You know that sort of stuff. So,
1: yeah. All right, so let's get to let's get to corner because I think safety is going to be one of the more interesting conversations we've had in all of these breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's fairly obvious at this point that um, Parnell Motley is going to be a starting cornerback for the team this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's probably pretty fair to say. Yeah, yeah. What a difference a year makes with him because
2: last year this time he was the guy that had all the hype. You know he. He was kind of the off-season storyline. It's like this guy keeps getting interceptions, and he he's just kind of has this charge of becoming a starter, and he's beating out Jordan Parker. Mm-hmm. Never mind that Jordan Thomas, apparently his job was just never even questioned. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Parnell Motley, like he, he had a kind of an up-and-down year. But he, to close the season, I thought against both TCU and against Georgia – he played pretty well. I think he was one of the few guys on the defense that actually played well against Georgia. Um, And so I I think he's, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's an all big 12 level guy this year, especially if he can get his hands and actually on a few more uh, footballs and actually get a few interceptions more this year.
1: Yeah. So my thing with, with Parnell is I feel really comfortable with him as an open field tackler. Um, especially compared to some of the other uh, i you know the guys I always think of Zach Sanchez as just the yeah. dude just couldn 't tackle you know but i was I was never concerned about Parnell motley from that position, you know coming up and run support, not worry about him not being able to tackle on screens
0: mm-hmm.
1: he I think last year, if you really kind of dissect his season, you know he started off just incredibly, you know the but if you think about it too the the whole defense kind of started off really well they you know did. What i mean his his season kind of mirrored the ou defense as a whole like when yeah. things were going really poorly for the defense he was right there in the thick of it but if you you know also consider in the big 12 if your defense isn't playing well the corners are probably going to be the guys that are getting the most exposed for that yeah right because it's such a pass heavy league there are great receivers everywhere like, the Bedlam game is really where people probably lost the most faith in him because he just lost it in that game. Uh-huh. But if you look at the start for him, he was made, he made a couple plays early in that game, and then there was a play deep to James Washington that Mason Rudolph just dropped it in a freaking bucket. And Parnell yeah. Motley was in perfect position. He defended it about as well as you could, but it was just a perfect throw. Like... Parna Motley had it defended to where if Mason Rudolph was off by 1% on his throw, he was going to knock it down yeah. or it was going to be incomplete. And it was just a perfect throw. There's nothing he could have done. And things kind of mm-hmm. just spiraled downward for him in that way at, at after that point. So I think we saw enough good football from him. And one thing too, I think you've got to give him credit um, because after you'll know, TCU, they decided they were going true freshman. Like, Parnell Motley was healthy, but they went with Trey Brown and Trey Norwood, and they played really well. Um, and I think you have to give credit to Parnell Motley because he didn't take that as, like, a slight. He won the job back from Trey Brown at, after that point. You know what I mean? And I think that that's a pretty impressive thing for a guy who just got yeah. benched to do.
2: Yeah, he didn't hang his head. You know, he he was... He he suffered kind of a crisis of confidence or, who knows what kind of midseason last year. But like he said, he kind of worked his way back and he closed it pretty well. So I'm hoping it, to see kind of him build on that, and I I kind of expect him to. Like I said, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if at the end of the year he's first or second team uh, Big
1: Twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also also wears a shooting sleeve, um, just as Kenneth Murray does. But uh um let's go over to the other the other cornerback position um and this one's a little bit more of a battle um although i think that the odds on favorite to win it is trey norwood who we saw last year come in and kind of stabilize the defense kind of once he once he came in against oklahoma state like we just kind of stopped leaking as many points as we were beforehand yeah and it was kind of crazy because that dude was freaking tiny last year. Like yeah, he looked, he looked
2: twelve years old. I always think of the TCU game. They he knocked a pass down, and they zoomed in on his face, and he he looked like he was in, still in high school. And he, I, I mean, I guess he was just a year out of high school. But God, he looked yeah. small. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it the poopy sleeves, also. You know, he wore sleeves, and <laughs> that that didn't help him at all. Oh. He had the Sam Bradford sleeves mm-hmm. that just it
1: didn't look good.
0: Yeah, I always think of them as the Dakota Austin sleeves
1: i i'm 100 with you yeah amazingly enough he was still quite a bit bigger than dakota austin was as a senior but we don't we don't need to go back to that to yeah. that guy mm-hmm. um, dark times yeah no trey, trey norwood i what i really liked about him last year was you know obviously he stabilized the defense but he just was always there like in position to make the play and he didn't always make it, you know, This the strength kind of limited him, limited him a little bit. But, you know, think about in the Big 12 title game where, the, was it John D'Arce that had that ridiculous one-handed catch over him? Yes. But, like, that was another the play. End zone. Like, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Where Trey Norwood defended the hell out of that play. That was great right. defense. And there was just nothing he could have done. That was just an amazing catch. That was a sports center top ten catch right there. And you just got to live with that, man. And that was just one thing with him is that he was competitive when the ball was in the air, and he was usually in the right positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I don't think anyone's confusing him with, like, I think this is the the age-old position battle of extremely high athletic ability upside in Trey Brown versus the guy who just knows how to play ball and was very consistent, and he's the coach's guy and all that stuff. Uh, he's just very steady and you know just a good football, good and solid football player. I think that's Trey Norwood. I don't, I don't think Norwood's ever going to be a first-round draft pick, but I think he's a very steady, um, solid starter. And I think Trey Brown is you know he's got the, he's the guy at the higher ceiling, but I think he's also less consistent. And so I'm not. I, I think that's probably why everyone just expects kind of Trey Norwood to retain his starting position because. Right. Like you said, he stabilized. He kind of the Jordan Parker, too. You know, He he, he did what Jordan Parker yeah. did in 2016 and 2017. And unlike mm-hmm. Jordan Parker, it looks like he's going to probably be able to fend off Trey Brown and fend off someone usurping his spot. And um, you now that he's actually had an offseason to gain some weight and be may, maybe a little bit more physically able to battle those uh, Big 12 wide receivers on the line and kind of pulled up in the run game and now we might actually see him, you know, take another step and um, be a really good compliment with Parnell on the other side.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, do you, do you want to go ahead and just give the, I'm going to let you take the union guy and you just want to give the breakdown <laughs> on Trey Brown. You kind of already did a little bit, but um, well,
2: I, and I think everyone, yeah, he's very fast. My thing with Trey at Brown in high school was, he was very, very fast. He's an excellent athlete, but he's just very raw, you know. And I never really saw him be super physical. That was one thing that actually surprised me last year. Is whenever he was in the game, he was actually hitting people, and he it was like something that I hadn't ever seen him do in high school. So I, that made me actually uh, pretty excited about his future prospects. You know, I think he still is slightly raw, and I think that's probably why Trey Norwood was it was the starter compared to Tory Brown. Because I think if you're going to say, well, one of these guys in two years is going to be a first-round pick or a second-round pick, I think the one that has the high, the higher uh, probability or just ability to do that would be Trey Brown because, like you said, he's extremely fast. He, I think he's been clocked at four three. You know, he's legit. You know, extremely. You know, he's a legit speed guy. He's got pretty solid size. He's a little bit small. He's maybe five eleven but they, his nickname is Twitch because of his athleticism. I mean, yeah. if a bunch of D1 athletes are calling you Twitch because you're the twitchiest guy there, I mean, that says a lot right there, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you know if he eventually won the job or overtook the job as the season progressed. I think he's got a lot of talent, but I think Norwood's probably steadier, and I think Norwood's a solid player, and so I would expect him to be the starter to begin the season. And I also yeah. wouldn't be shocked if Trey Brown was a return man because he kind of reminds me um, of someone. And I think I mentioned this in the last uh, time I was on the show is that you know someone that I looked at with Shane Beamer at Georgia was Nicole Hardman and just kind of this hmm. extremely fast cornerback that they had that they were doing kickoff returns. I think it'd be awesome to see Trey Brown do that because that was one of his biggest um, strengths at Union. As he was an excellent return man. He had one in the state championship game. And so I think it'd be awesome if they could somehow carve out a role for him to do that with maybe Marcella Sutton. So anyway, I, I think if you're looking at the start of the season, you might see him as the third corner off the bench on either side, behind both Parnell and Trey Norwood. And just, you know, maybe a dime. Maybe in the dime he's playing somehow or some way. But I think he'll play a lot and he'll be in the steady rotation, but I don't think he'll be a starter. But... I think if if Kerry Cooks was, if you were to corner him in a bar and say, you know, get to get his honest opinion, I think he'd be the guy that he wants to see take that job because he has the highest ceiling of all three of them. Yeah,
1: I don't think you have to corner him in a bar because he said that in the freaking spring. You know, like he—that's true. That's true. He just flat out said he's like, yeah. If you look at a guy who has every tool that you could look could ask for, and you really would want him to take that step, it's Trey Brown. He's like, none of the other guys have his speed and his physicality. Like, he just has what Parnell Motley doesn't have. He has what Trey Norwood definitely doesn't have. So, um, you know, yeah. I.
2: Now, for does that he reason,
1: roll <laughs> Right.
2: Because yeah, he did but, think Florida had a beach. I mean, he's one of the good guys <laughs> that we talked about last time that did, Gainesville had a beach. So, I don't know. You know what kind of scholar
1: yeah. he is. But, well, well, I but, think that that just speaks to the lack of education he received at Union High School. Um, yeah, well, being we honest. saw how I turned out, so I guess that's fine. Probably... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I think he's a guy, if, if he can get it close with Trey Norwood, I think he's a guy that's going to get on the field. You know, Kerry Cooks has ex- expressed interest in kind of rotating guys a little bit, just giving guys breathers um, so that they're just able to play at a higher level when they are on the field. And I think Trey Brown might be able to get into a position where he could get on the field for, you know, 20 percent of the snaps, maybe. Um, yeah. Last last guy at corner that we really need to mention because um, we mentioned Starlin Baldwin earlier. Uh, the last guy, uh, Miguel Edwards, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, Miguel he is listed as a DB. Okay. Yeah, I was struggling to find him on the roster. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, Miguel is a true freshman from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Um, He's actually the guy who picked off Austin Kendall in the spring game.
0: He did. He had himself a good spring game.
1: He did, yeah. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, Kerry Cooks, I remember in the spring, like, he kind of just mentioned him as an afterthought. Like, oh, yeah, he's got to get bigger, faster, stronger. You know, he's – he was like, basically, he just kind of marked him off like, yeah, he's a true freshman. You know what I mean? So not a guy that I would expect to play unless there are injuries. Um, yeah.
2: So, the thing I think if he's playing very much, it's a bad sign. And I don't mean that against him. I, at the most, I would expect him on special teams
1: because we don't yeah. really want to
2: – We don't. I don't think we want to see him play a lot unless he is just amazing, you know. Right. Um, no, Someone's hurt
1: most likely. Yeah, so I mean, that's really all there is with him. Like I really liked him as a recruit. He was a pretty decent you know, four-star guy coming out of Florida. Um, I think he's got a bright future, but I just don't think he's quite ready to produce on the field yet. Um, so let's move over to safety. And I kind of alluded to it earlier as this was going to be one of the more interesting conversations we've had. And I think really what is makes it pretty interesting is that – Safety recruiting has been kind of iffy. I will give it that. Like, I think overall, Kerry Cooks has done a pretty good job of acquiring talent in the secondary. Um, but it's just mostly been cornerback talent. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of struck out on Josh Proctor last year. We've kind of handled the position in terms of recruiting kind of strangely over the last couple of years. Um, and that's led to moving a lot of guys from corner to safety. Um, So first, we've got Jordan Parker, who moved over. You talked about him earlier. He moved over to safety. And then Justin Broyles, who's kind of been a big storyline in camp this year, um, moved from corner over to free safety. So um, let's start with strong safety. Um, And the guy that has the most experience at this position is Khalil Houghton, is a senior um we've seen him on the field before and he has made a grand total of two plays in his career so <laughs> good good for khalil um not a guy that i really want to see on the field this year <laughs> if i'm being honest like maybe as a special teams guy because uh, i think he you know he's, he's a pretty good athlete and he can do that kind of thing but uh-huh. i mean he's he's been here for you know three years already and he's been playing pretty significant saps since his freshman year and like I said, I think he has made two plays in his career. You know. Yeah i I don't ex- I think if he was to start,
2: it would be sort of a Will Johnson sort of scenario, and, I, and maybe not. I don't know. To me, Khalil Hutton is one of those guys that like he's just a guy, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't even think it's from a physical ability standpoint because I think he's got a lot of tools. I think it's more of a he just doesn't have whatever weird you know mentality edge is necessary this seems to be the the repeated sort of uh the line the through line that kind of connects all these dots through the years is people just said well i wish he had a little bit more and this is going to sound corny or this is or whatever but like a little bit more dog in him you know mm-hmm. So he, he just kind of wish he would just seize it you know the opportunity is right there and now he's in a battle with a guy that just switched positions of 2 months ago he's never played safety and he's already you know possibly getting ready to lose his job to this guy it, it's you you you're the guy that's been here for 3 years you're the guy who's basically played started you've started games he started against Baylor last year i know and i think he started another game at some point in time
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you know why why isn't he able to just grasp that you know opportunity and we've we've seen guys in the past that have you know been a fourth year starter like will johnson did it he moved Mm. to free safety i think uh gabe lynn did that or he was a corner and then he moved and actually a pretty good senior year Mm. and if khalil hodden was to do that i think that'd be great but i don't i don't have a lot of confidence in it and so i'm low-key kind of rooting for jordan parker but i mean khalil hodden's one of those he was a big win for mike stoops at a waco he beat baylor head to head whenever baylor was still good
1: so, yeah no, that was that was a big deal back then yeah
2: it, it's one of those guys you'd, I'd like to see him succeed, but I just from what I've seen before he's just he's just kind of a guy that's out there he has a good size he looks he looks the part, but he just doesn't seem to do anything when the balls in the air so. nope
1: yeah I agree hundred uh, percent so let's let's move to the guy you talked to, you mentioned Jordan Parker, who switched from corner to safety um, and like you said, already seems to be really pushing. Khalil Houghton for that position um, which makes me think give him another month and he might just flat out do it you know like I think at the very least maybe you might see the best version of Khalil Houghton because you've got a guy like Jordan Parker pushing him but um, one thing Kerry Cooks mentioned that I thought was really notable was that um, whenever Jordan Parker was a true freshman when he came in and kind of stabilized the defense that year was that he was maybe the most reliable tackler in that secondary and obviously that's something that you've got to do like you're the last line of defense like Mm -hmm. you have to be a sure tackler as a safety and especially a strong safety when you have to come up against the run yeah absolutely um so some you know a guy with that kind of skill set who also has the ability to cover like he did as a corner like that's something that's pretty intriguing to me um because i think there's been times when you know Cause Mike will do some weird things and he'll just get guys kind of stuck on islands sometimes. And we've put some dudes in some positions that's been really tough for them to, to succeed. You know, looking back at like Atari bird and a Thomas, like he put those guys yeah. in some weird positions uh-huh. and I think he's going to be able to do Carr a NFL linebacker,
2: Ahmad Thomas
1: by the yeah, way, <laughs> linebacker. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be able to do kind of, he's going to be comfortable. I think Um, putting jordan parker in pretty much any situation and he's probably gonna have a fair amount of success
2: yeah yeah i mean with parker it's one of those things like he missed almost all he missed basically all last season because i think he got hurt like the second quarter something against utep some really early on and but he he like you said he stabilized the defense in 2016 can we i just want to bring up real quick he had off-season heart surgery before 2016, so he barely even practiced yeah. in the summer,
1: uh-huh. and yeah. he
2: still played. So he's just one of these like kind of crazy stories. Like he's overcome two pretty significant injury sort of deals in the last two years, and you know uh, maybe it's just the sentimental side of me, but I'm kind of rooting for him just for that. You know, it, it's one of these kind of underdog stories. But um, he he lost his job to Parnell Motley last year. Um, and then he got hurt, and now he's switched a position to Khalil Hodden, and now he's pushing. And he's there's still kind of rumors out there, like he's still maybe not 100%. So I think once he kind of becomes, you know, completely healthy, and maybe has a little, maybe a month into the season, he has a lot more game experience, and he has more practice reps, and just all the stuff that goes along with it. Um, I wouldn't, I kind of expect Khalil Hodden to start the season, but if you told <laughs> me by Texas that Jordan Parker was the starter, i I think that's very, uh, very, very possible.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, like it's a very intriguing kind of position battle. Um, a couple other guys that might factor in there, um, couple true freshmen. And it's a little bit ambiguous as to where these guys are actually playing, but they are both safeties. Um, first guy we'll talk about is Delarian Turner yell, who, um, True freshman out of Hempstead, Texas. Is that right? I think. That sounds
2: right.
1: Yeah. And he is another kind of, he's an undersized guy, you know, kind of, you know, not necessarily in like the bookie mold, but he's kind of in that ballpark in terms of size. Um, But he's a guy that, if you watch his high school film, dude's a hitter. Like, he comes up and lays the wood on people, and he is not afraid. To like stick his nose anywhere, man. I, I think he's got he's a w- pretty bright future.
2: He's one of those guys that, it honestly, he kind of makes me nervous about just like his long term health. Yeah, um, eh. I'm. A, he, uh, he kind of, he's not nearly as big, but he reminds me of, um, oh my god, the, the safety in the early two thousands that died tragically. I can't think of his name. Uh, the Brandon Brandon, Everidge. yeah, Brandon Everage. He he kind of has that mentality. Um, he just he doesn't seem to care about his body at all Um, and you know you brought up the point that he's kind of undersized but the pictures we were doing our pictures analysis that we talked a little bit about earlier he seems like he's gained some good weight you know he maybe not quite on the kenneth marie level from last year but he looks quite a bit different than he did this time you know a year ago he's put on benny wiley seems to have at least made some uh, substantive progress with him and it seems like Lincoln um, was kind of hyping, hyping him up last week, so I'm encouraged. I, I think he would I think it's very, there's a good chance that he could be on special teams and really pushing for the strong safety job next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last guy at this spot, we're going to go into Patrick Fields, um, another union guy. Um, so sure. far, the most notable thing that Patrick Fields has done is almost in Trey Sermon's career in the spring game. Yeah, Jeez. Uh, that boy. <laughs> <laughs> which, thank God, did not happen. No, thank but, God.
2: <laughs> kind of ruined but, yeah. the whole mood of the spring game. That totally absolutely game did. Everyone was just kind of over it after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it became like, oh, this is a really cool event. Like, we've never had a spring game like this to – oh, God, I just want this thing to be over, you know? So, uh, But he's you know he's a guy, obviously, he was in for the spring, so I could see him, you know, if safety doesn't go well, like if it's just something where Houghton fails, Jordan Parker fails, I could see them going, hey, we're going to throw Patrick Fields out there because the sense I always got from him is, like, he's just a really smart player. Like, he's the kind yeah. of guy I think could kind of come out and stabilize the defense, like, He's not gonna be a guy that's making tons of plays, but he's also just God. probably not gonna screw up.
2: Yeah. I I I mean, yeah, I agree. I I really don't want a third straight year of oh true freshman X stabilize the defense. Like yeah. I'm tired of that. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I need a I need a senior to actually not, you know, not blow his opportunity, but anyway. Yeah. All
1: right. So let's let's move over to free safety. Because um, we are going pretty long on this, fellas.
0: Yeah, but uh, no, we're <laughs> fine. All right, yeah. free safety. This is the last one. This is unless we want to talk about returners, which
1: yeah, we we'll throw it out there. I guess maybe, but this is from all reports, maybe the most heated battle on the entire yeah. team, other than maybe quarterback. Um, so this is a battle between Robert Barnes and Justin Broyles, another one of those converted corners, like guy who's a redshirt freshman, played all last year as a corner, and he's moved to free safety. Right. Uh, and these two human beings could not be more different in terms of <laughs> physical composition and just probably the way they play the game. Um, yeah. Let's start with Robert Barnes because people are probably more familiar with him. Um, the dude is huge. Mm-hmm. Listed at 6'2, 207 pounds. And if you go, like, I've watched a couple, like, again, I've watched a couple clips of defensive backs, like, hitting, tackling dummies or whatever. And it's just, you're like, oh, why did a linebacker sneak into this drill? Yeah. Why is, okay. you know, why is a linebacker over here with all these guys? Because the rest of our safeties and stuff are relatively small. Um, and then you've got Robert Barnes, who just, I think 207 might be a bit low for him, man. Like, he is, he's massive. Like, he is just a yeah. huge guy. He reminds me of, like, you remember whenever Mark
2: Barron was playing for Alabama? And it's like, how do they have yeah. a linebacker at safety? It's like that sort of deal. It's like this mm-hmm. massive person. Um, right. I remember whenever he was at South Lake Carroll, I went down and watched whenever Union played at South Lake Carroll. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I at the time I knew that he was big, but I was in the stands and I remember thinking like, this guy is going to grow into a Sam, you know, like he's yeah. he's the same as Ryan Jones, like he's on that path. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's still, still going to happen, but he is the clear biggest guy <laughs> in that <laughs> DB room. He uh, he doesn't he kind of breaks the mold because Kerry Cook seems to have a type that's like you know you know more twitchy, smaller, shifty guys. Um, Robert Barnes doesn't fit that mold. He kind of – he's in the Saban uh, DB tree, if you will, circa 2011.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's important to note, like, Robert Barnes is a legacy. Like, his dad played at OU, and I think it's probably pretty likely he's not at OU right now, if not for that. Not in the sense that, like, well, that's the only reason why they liked him, but – he just probably wouldn't have been a guy that they were super like interested in unless they were like, oh, well, we're definitely going to get this highly rated guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I think it was probably a situation where it was they probably had to talk themselves into it You know, more than, oh, mm-hmm. that's definitely someone we want. If it was just a random guy, they probably don't take a guy like Robert Barnes because like you said, he's way out of the mold. And,
2: you know it's interesting because him and Broyles, they're in this position battle now, and those two were along with maybe Draper were kind of the ringleaders of that 2017 class. They were two mm-hmm. of the real guys that kind of got on people, and you know that's one of the first classes, or really the first true like class that I remember that truly kind of on a social media aspect kind of got together and were like mass recruiting other guys and there's a real sense of camaraderie and everything and those two guys that are now battling for the same spot, starting spot, um were kind of those two leaders. So I think whoever wins that job will bring a leadership aspect. Now I think one of them's a little bit more uh vocal.
1: And I think we yeah. can bring that
2: up whenever Royal Creets brought <laughs> up. But um, I think there's at least some of that kind of uh leadership you know, confidence between either of them. And, and Barnes started a game last year. He started against TCU. He didn't look amazing, right. but still started. Right. So.
1: Yeah, also yeah. No, he got ju- against Ohio State. He did, yeah. And he had an interception at the end of OS at the end of the OSU game. But right. he got juked out of his we had shoes against TCU. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah and, and it's important to remember that how we saw him last year isn't necessarily the uh, the player physically that you know he he could be this year because he was coming off a broken leg right in his senior year of high school. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think most, I think the ideal situation is that he would have redshirted last year, but I think he's just kind of pressed into playing due to scholarship numbers and safety woes and everything else. I think will Johnson had a targeting thing that he had to miss the first half of that game where I don't remember the, all the scenarios, but there's a yeah, reason he, he was starting unnecessarily for that game. And, uh, yeah, or was forced to start a game,
1: so real. I just that was the play where Will Johnson wiped out Trey Brown's interception on that last drive, oh, where they had right. to review it and overturn it. So he missed the first half of the TCU game. That's why yeah. Barnes was starting. I um, still, still don't like agree with that call, but that's a whole
2: another podcast probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, the thing with Barnes, you know, I guess from a downside from him is. He's, you know, just given his size, he's probably not going to have the ability to do a lot of like man to man stuff like you would probably want a Big 12 safety to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's, like you said, like we talked about how, you know, guys like Ahmad Thomas and Atari Bird got put in weird positions. He's probably the kind of guy that could get put in that position and not do amazingly, you know, Uh, because, and honestly, he's just, He's not a corner. Like, he is a pure safety.
2: Um, he's playing free. That's border, really the odd yeah. thing to me is he's this huge guy, and he's playing the one that, you know, the center fielder of the two. Mm-hmm. And I, I know OU likes to sell that their safety positions are basically the same, but at least I think in play style, they're, that's still kind of how they view the two. You know, one's a little bit more run support. One's a little bit more, you know, Malik Hooker, center fielder right. kind of guy, Ed Reed. Um, so. Yeah. And that that's kind of the weird – there's this weird kind of contrast that body types don't seem to matter between these guys because Khalil Hutton and Robert Barnes are the two that are closer in size and Broyles and Jordan Parker are closer in size, and yet they're not competing with each other. They're competing right. with their opposites. So it's kind of this odd situation.
1: Yeah, it is. It's It's—it's really pretty weird actually. Uh, so let's get, let's get on to Justin Broyles and – um, he 's the guy who switched to safety in the spring, and from all accounts like it 's the move that is going really, really well for him um, mm-hmm. and i'm honestly i'm not surprised at all like I thought I was always a bit concerned about him from an athletic standpoint being able to hang you know stride for stride with guys at corner. but I was like if yeah. you could play him at a nickel or at a safety that 's where his game could really shine.
2: Yeah, I, I think we were on the same wavelength with that, because I always thought he was going to turn into a nickel, and it doesn't surprise me at all that he's a safety. Uh, I never really thought he was going to be a corner, to be honest. And I think the thing with Justin is that he's never been the most athletic guy in the room, but he's always been the, like, the most competitive guy in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I think just finding a place for him to make an impact was you know, just the imperative sort of thing. And free safety, there is an open spot and it kind of probably mixes with this playstyle Well, anyway. And so let, and I think the thing that's been reiterated over and over again, at least this early part of camp is that this guy's a real, and I, I hate this cliche, but it's, I'm going to use it anyways. He real, he has this kind of field general quality that, and he talks a lot of noise and it seems to rev the other guys up. And I think if nothing else that will be fun to watch is that, if our, our secondary might just be you know incre- incrementally better, but they'll at least be louder, and so right. there'll at least be a more competitive fire to it. And really, that's that would be at least nice to see because too often I we there's a lot of apathetic kind of just languidness out there. You, you know, guys not yeah. being competitive with the ball in the air, and someone like with like Royals who. Uh, seems to have that fire. the the exact opposite of what i was talking about with Houghton earlier where he just doesn't have the dog in him and again i hate that cliche but i'm using it anyway um i think Boyle's does have that even if he doesn't have all the measurables that maybe his counterparts have
1: yeah no i a hundred percent um i i also am not i don't like those kind of cliches but if you look back like think about a guy like Zach Sanchez you know like that dude talked all the time and like sure he had his problems getting beat on double moves but that dude was competitive as hell Mm -hmm. when the ball was in the air like that dude came down with a ton of picks and he was you know super competitive like at all times and like that's kind of what we seem to be getting back to in this secondary you know like because I think about last year like Jordan Thomas man I don't know if I've ever seen a less competitive guy you know, like yeah. I don't know Jordan Thomas at all, and I apologize if God for say, if he were to listen to this, I apologize. I would never say this to your face. Sorry, <laughs> but like that dude did not get better at any point during his time at OU, um, and I'm not sure. Like other than that freaking game, like. After the first half of that Texas game, I'm not sure he made any competitive plays with yeah, the that's... ball in the air. Like it's just like something's flipped for him at halftime in that game, and he was just like not a Division One caliber football player after that.
2: He had one of the strangest careers I've ever seen at a college because after yeah. his sophomore year, I was like, "This guy's going to be a first round pick." Yeah, And yeah. he just he just nosedived. It was the it was
1: bizarre.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. He was literally the number eight player on Todd McShay's NFL draft board going into his junior year. Like the number eight player, the number one corner and number eight player. Mm -hmm. Like it was crazy how like he had unbelievable upside and, you know, everything we've talked about, you know, every physical tool you could ask for. Like the dude broke a freaking combine record. On, a, on oh, an agility three cone. drill. Yeah, the three-cone yeah. agility drill. Like, he had every physical tool. He just, the dude just didn't have it, man. He didn't have yeah. whatever you need to be a great defensive back. He did not have it. And I think we're getting into some guys like Justin Broyles. I think he might not have the tools, but he has he has something that works for him. You know, we talked about Buki forever. Like, that's that dude is all it factor, you know. Mm-hmm. And then even a guy like um, – go over to Parnell Motley. like He's a guy that a lot – like too. Zach Sanchez, he talks a lot, and he's really competitive on the balls in the air. You know? um, so that's I kind think- of
2: Starlin – we mentioned him at the top of the show, but that's kind of Starlin Baldwin's game too. I know that he's been hurt for two years, but he's kind of – whenever he, he initially committed that's kind of how he was billed as that kind of scrappy player. So it seems like that Cooks is at least – I don't know if necessarily searching for it, but not opposed to it because, you know, those guys that um, are kind of instigators, if you will, are not always seen as good things. But um, I think it's also maybe a necessary evil for defensive backs because you have to be able to get on to the next play. And you have to have just, like, bordering on supreme overconfidence. You know, there has to be, like, like, a fine line. Like, you have to think you're the best person on the field or I don't know if you can especially in this league to go against the receivers in the passing offense it's because you're going to get beat Mm -hmm. so you have to be able to get back up and say no that was just you got lucky let's go again that sort of thing so
0: yeah it's um yeah it's a really narrow razor's edge between having the confidence to believe that you can go toe-to-toe with these guys but also the like fire to recognize that you can't
1: slip up right yeah yeah absolutely Um. So that'll pretty much do it for secondary preview. Mm Um, do we want to talk return, guys? Um, I think it's probably like if we want to talk punt return. I think CD Lamb's probably your favorite there. He's got the hands. Like I think that's priority number one. He's gonna Um, be an enormous punt returner. Returner. I think uh, (laughs) returner.
2: Marquise. I've I've seen like some names floated out, like Marquise Brown, maybe. Uh, Jalen Robinson, potentially.
1: Yeah. It's kind of shipping yeah. Marquise Brown, like, that dude has every tool you would think that you would want out of a punt return race. definitely got the home run ability. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would love to see him out there. He would bring kind of a different element. But, you know, it might be one of those things where, you remember the year, was it 2012, where we kind of had Justin Brown and Jalen Saunders? And, um, yeah. I don't know. They, they just kind of brought two different elements. They were both really good at it. They were just both, they went about it very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kick Returner, I mean, I don't, I mean, Marcellus Sutton will probably be there, even though he's not very good at it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm really curious to see how much better they get with Shane
2: Beamer. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, because I mean, it was more of a kickoff coverage issue last year, but kickoff returns mm. also weren't really anything to write home about. So no. I want to—I'm kind of looking for at least some level of improvement there. And I don't know if Marcellus Sutton is the guy to, you know, inspire that, but I kind of want to see them play around with the returner, whether it be, you know, whether it be Marcellus or whether it be T.J. Pledger, Trey Brown, or you know, these other Kennedy Brooks. I don't want to see Rodney Anderson there. I, I've seen oh, that. God, no. don't do that. But no. those other guys that are, for lack of a better word, expendable, I wouldn't mind seeing them kind of experiment and see if they can get more big play potential at that spot because it is kind of just a rote, you know, going through the motion sort of thing last year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last year, I mean, it kind of made sense because our offense was just so good. If you get them the ball, they're probably going to go score um, we might not have that luxury this year. You yeah. know, it might be something that we legitimately are in a game and we need a big play in special teams, so it can't be quite as much of an afterthought as it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I really hope they find somebody.
0: Yeah, and it really was an afterthought. Like field yeah. position wise, like oh, you frequently started with really bad field position last year.
1: That like that sense.
0: was. It was astonishing that our offense was able to push the way it did in spite of its field position. It literally just didn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully.
2: And I, I remember thinking last year, during the Rose Bowl, I actually remember having this thought go through my head of, like, damn, Georgia's special teams look good. So I really mm-hmm. hope that you know carries over. I hope it was more Beamer than just the talent they had. Because right. I would love to see OUB kind of that early, early 2000s level of, you know, special teams quality that, mm-hmm. for whatever reason – Bob Stoops just decided to forsake, and then just it's just been kind of this uh, this boring thing that has been outside of a few Alex Alex Ross and Jalen Saunders returns for touchdowns. It hasn't really been anything special for the last ten years or so.
1: Yeah, and, and another thing with that Georgia game is it was they looked great. And also, it got to a point in that game where I was hoping that we would just get touchbacks, like that they would just kick it in the end zone. Because I was like, yeah. if they kick it to Sutton, we're going to get it inside the 25. There's no doubt about right. it. And in all yeah. likelihood, he's going to get lit up and it's going to cool. have their whole team fired up. You know, it's going to be a momentum of, thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Speaking of guys getting rid of, do you remember, this is completely random. But in the Sugar Bowl against Bama, whenever Roy Finch had yeah. the kickoff return, <laughs> Absolutely. I think it was yeah. the very initial, the yeah. initial kickoff return of that game. He yeah, got no, he
0: got obliterated, and then like <laughs> the ball pops out after he hits the ground. Yeah,
2: yeah, that is about as hard as a I've, I've ever seen a human get hit before. That guy, I don't yeah. know, it was probably just some random Bama
1: walk-on or whatever. But that guy about killed Finch. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was one of their running backs that lit him up.
2: I think it, I remember yeah. that
1: play. I think it was one of their, like, legit running backs. It wasn't Tenpenny, was it? I don't think it was Tenpenny. I think it was one of the other ones. Anyway. Uh, That play's always stuck in my head. It's
2: just one of the bigger collisions I've seen in uh, kickoff returns that weren't Ron L. Lewis inspired. Yeah.
1: Which, oh, yeah, I forgot Alti Tenpenny is not with us anymore. Yeah, rest in peace, Alti. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I forgot about that. That... That's a name you don't think about very much. Um, okay, so that really ought to do it. Like, we've been going for a long time. Yeah. Is there anything, Ryan, yeah. that you want to mention? Just, I don't know. Could be... I was thinking, so I, I had a thought. We can discuss a new segment um, on the podcast. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> but what if, on pause, podcast. If it, yeah, if it's not going for, like, two and a half hours, like this one or whatever... Um, what if like we each have like a story outside of football or OU football that we want to talk about? Okay,
0: that's you excellent. Know? Actually, I like that a lot. Um, it's a yeah. shame that this one's going so long because I actually have one.
1: Oh, yo, hit, hit. What, what is it?
0: Okay, so uh, this is a thing that um, I found on Reddit today. Mich- Michigan State football's Twitter banner um, has a series of Chinese characters um, Uh that translate literally to um, to guard a stump waiting for rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) And the funny thing is um, what that should, what they probably mean is don't guard a tree stump waiting for rabbits. But because, like the n- character that would give it the negative sense doesn't look very cool, they left it off ah, so instead what they're um what the, what it means is um there's a Chinese proverb um about a hunter who is out hunting for rabbits, and he mm-hmm. sees a rabbit run into a tree stump and pass out so then, instead of hunting, he just waits by a tree stump for a rabbit to hit it and pass out. Um, and of course, he goes hungry because that's not how you hunt for rabbits. And uh, I'm just, I really like that's that. That's uh, awesome. That that's yeah. the attitude that uh, Dantonio and his boys are taking this year. We're gonna, wow, we're gonna that's guard, awesome. We're gonna guard. We're gonna guard a punt return, waiting for a, a fumble.
1: <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end this. Yeah, that was good. Yes. I'm, glad, I'm glad we did that. Glad mm-hmm. we went into that. Yes. Yeah,
0: no. I mean, I like that. I have some other exciting segment ideas. Um, we got three Saturdays a football game. Um, Boom. So we'll be ready for that for sure. Um, at some point, I really want to get an episode with um the three of us plus Sam.
1: Yeah. No, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Just all the voices. All the voices.
0: All
2: the sports betting.
1: All the sports just betting.
2: Just knowledge. All the just, recruiting. All the... Just gushing out of the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, that'll about do it. Um, thanks for listening to this lengthy position preview. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, follow the podcast on Twitter, at Oklahoma underscore drill. Um, if we can remember how to access that account we're working on that um and uh yeah that's uh that's been it we'll be back next week with something for sure there'll be something for us to talk about um maybe maybe we might maybe we should do an episode that isn't about football i don't know um just to get it out of our system before the season
1: starts but that'll be that would uh, be something to discuss. That is a very original idea that I've never seen any other podcast do.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, that's, that's all, folks.